We're so glad you're here. It is hard to believe this is the last Sunday of 2018. Anybody else with me on that? In fact, I think on er earlier today, I wasn't quite awake and I was like, this is the last Sunday of 2019 on the old social media. I was like, I need more coffee today. I need more coffee. Anybody else on that? Anybody have the post-Christmas coma going on and all of that? Uh, today's really an important day and I'm glad you're here and that you've been leaned in all morning long. And I wanna invite you for the next few minutes to stay engaged with that. Because in so many ways, I want to end 2018 the way that we started it. Back in January, I taught a message that I had no idea that day was going to strike a chord with so many people. There's just certain messages that, that God uses. There's ones that I remember from when I was a kid. There's just certain times where it just seems like a message or a thing resonates with people. And back in January, that happened where I talked about specific prayers. I, I quoted a friend of mine about 16, 17 years ago. I heard a friend named Roger say it this way. He said, specific prayers get specific results. And when I heard that, it, it made a lot of sense to me because honestly, I've prayed a lot of generic prayers in my lifetime. I don't know if you've done that as well, where you just pray sort of haphazardly. Well, God, I just pray that you'll be with us today. Or God, I pray that you'll bless us today. God, would you be with us? Would you make this a good day? And there's not anything necessarily wrong with that, but what's, what, what is convicting about it is how would you know if God answered those prayers? In other words, it's so subjective. How would you know? Did God bless today? Was today a good day? It's so subjective. What's good for me may not be good for you. And so it's just, how would you know if God blessed it? Is it, well, I got here early and I got a good parking spot. Is it that we beat the other church down the road to Mexican lunch? Was it that there was extra queso when I ordered it? Yes, Lord. But I mean, how would you know if God answered that prayer? And so what we said back in January is specific prayers get specific results that when you pray specifically, God responds. And so the prayer that we prayed back in January was from Psalm 139, where David's like, God, would you search me? Would you know my anxious ways? God, would you reveal my heart? And I'm telling you, when we talked about that back in January, I've had so many people say, God used that in my life. In fact, I talked to a friend not long ago that after that message and just praying that prayer, they wept for minutes and minutes and minutes. They're like, God showed up in my life in a way that I mean, there's something about specific, bold, courageous prayers. And so today I wanna invite us to pray a different prayer. Back in January, it was this prayer uh, of saying, God, would you show up, this courageous prayer that when we pray specifically, God shows up, God responds to us. Well, today the prayer is our response back to him. So often when we think about prayer, we think about, is God gonna show up to me? Is God gonna respond to me? What's in it for me? And so often God moves and then says, well, what's your response back to me? In other words, it's time for your move. You've been asking me to do something. Now, what are you going to do in response? And so I wanna show you a prayer in scripture that I think is a powerful response. Now, what's true in the Bible is not everybody responds the same way. When God shows up, not everybody responds the same way. Not everybody responds positively. Uh, you remember Jonah in the Old Testament. God called him. God said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach for me. I want you to help turn the city back to me. And Jonah's response was, I'm not going to do it. He ran from God. He literally goes the opposite direction. He knew exactly what God wanted him to do. 
He knew exactly where God wanted him to go. And his response was when it was time for his move, his response was, I'm gonna run. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I don't know if there's ever been a time in your story where you knew exactly what God wanted you to do, somebody to reach out to, somebody to call, somebody to say, hey, I forgive you. Something that God said, I want you to do this, and yet you knew it, you knew what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, and yet for whatever reason, you said, you know what, I'm not gonna do it, and you ran from him. That's a response we see in scripture. A second response are people like Moses. Back in the book of Exodus, God says, hey, Moses, I want to use you. I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the land. I want you to speak to him. I want to use you to deliver my people. And most of us know the end of the story. We don't know necessarily the beginning of the story where on the front end, Moses isn't somebody that runs from God, but he's somebody that tries to bargain with God. In other words, Moses was like, God, there's no way you could use me. I'm a stutterer. I'm not the, the best spokesperson in the world. God, yes, I agree. The nation of Israel needs to be delivered. That's a good plan. Yeah, somebody ought to do it, but that somebody's not me. Why don't you use my brother? And so instead of running, he tries to renegotiate, tries to bargain. I don't know if you've been there. I don't know if you, there's been a time in your life when God puts something on your heart. Hey, uh, you, you need to volunteer at PATH, or you need to serve in our kids' ministry, or you need to help with backpack, whatever that thing is, and you know what it is, you know that it needs to be done. You're like, man, that's a great ministry. Somebody ought to do that, somebody ought to do that, but that's not me, and you start p figuring out who it ought to be. You're like, man, somebody ought to give to the Baileys to go to Kenya, but that's not me. It should be somebody with more margin in their finances. They ought to do it. Or I, I, I know somebody ought to volunteer at Half Hour Heroes, but I don't have the time to do it. Somebody with more time, somebody that works from home, or maybe even a stay-at-home mom. They've got all the time in the world on their hands. They should go serve. And all the stay-at-home moms are like, I'm going to poke you with a fork in the eyeball. <laughs> Any amens on that? Amen. We're, we're tempted to think, well, I'm not running from God, but I'm gonna renegotiate somebody else that ought to do it. But then there's a third kind of response in scripture. And that's where we're gonna hang out today. It's found in Isaiah chapter six, when God has a message for his people and he's looking for somebody to, to, to deliver this message. And in Isaiah six, Isaiah doesn't say, well, what's in it for me? Isaiah doesn't say, am I gonna get a, a cost of living increase? Isaiah doesn't ask, hey, what are the benefits like? Hey, am I gonna get more vacation time? Hey, am I gonna go live uh, near the water? He doesn't ask any of that stuff. His response isn't to run away. His response is not to renegotiate. His response is to partner with God. And here's the prayer I want to invite all of us to pray every single day this week. In Isaiah 6, verse 8, here's his prayer. Here am I, send me. That's a very specific prayer. That's a bold prayer. That's a prayer that takes courage, but I can't think of a better prayer for us to pray as we launch into 2019, then instead of saying, God, I'm not gonna run from you this year. God, I don't wanna renegotiate with you this year. God, I wanna join you in the work you're doing. And God, I wanna pray with all sincerity, here am I, send me. A prayer of surrender, a prayer of availability. 
If you've got something to write on, something to write with, if you've got one of the bulletins today, if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, I'm going to invite you to Isaiah chapter 6. If you have a device, the question is, how do you get there? I mean, how in, in a world that's so me-centered, in a world that's so focused on what's in it for me, how do we get to a place of saying, instead of running, instead of renegotiating, I surrender and I say, here I am, God, send me. How do you get there? Well, in Isaiah chapter 6, the verses that lead up to that prayer in verse 8 describe the journey that Isaiah went through. If you have your Bibles, you can look at it or, or you can follow along in the app. But here's what it says in Isaiah 6 and verse 1. It says, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Let me pause there just for a second. So this moment that Isaiah surrenders everything to God, it wasn't the perfect setting. It wasn't when everything was going great. It wasn't when there was no stress in his life. This happens when one of his best friends that he looked up to dies. This is not a happy season. This is not a great season. This is not a tranquil season. This is not the perfect moment in his life. And yet he still prays this prayer. It says in verse one, it was in the year that King Uzziah died, then listen to this next phrase, that I saw the Lord, that I saw the Lord. He was, seated, he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and attending him were these mighty seraphim, these angel type figures, each having six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet and with two, they flew and they were calling out to one another. They were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation. So when Zach asked the question, is it okay to get rowdy today? Is it okay to be noisy? This comes right out of scripture. It says their voices shook the temple to the foundation and the entire building was filled with smoke, which is, I guess, a biblical reason for us to have fog on the stage today. I don't know. But here's what happens for Isaiah. For Isaiah to get to this posture of saying, God, here I am, send me. Where did it start? Well, it starts first for him by entering into God's presence. If you want to get to a place where you can authentically pray this prayer, here I am, send me, it starts by being in the very presence of God himself. For Isaiah, what happens for him? For Isaiah, he walks into this place, he's in this moment, and the first thing that he says about this moment is he says, I saw the Lord, period. It wasn't, hey, I'm here for something else. Hey, I'm looking for something else. Hey, what's in it for me? When he walks into the space, the only thing that captures his eyes right off the bat is I saw God. What's he doing? He's entering into the presence of God. He's walking into the space where he sees God. And what does he see? He doesn't see God as just a little bit bigger than him. He doesn't see God as just a little bit stronger than him. He doesn't see God as, well, he's the big man upstairs. He sees God for who he truly is. Listen to what happens for these angels that are flying around him. These seraphim, they cry out, verse three, here's what he sees. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, why would they do that? Why are they saying holy, holy? You may already know this, but in the Hebrew language, which is much of the Old Testament was written in, this is how you emphasize 
a word. This is how you emphasize an attribute. In Hebrew, there's not a holy, holier, holiest. There's not endings like in the English language. That's just not the way the Hebrew language works. And so if you wanted to emphasize something, you would repeat it over and over again. And so if you sort of wanted queso for lunch, you're like, man, I wish I had queso for lunch today. But if you really wanted it, you're like, man, I really wish I had some queso queso for lunch today. If you really, really want it, you're like, I want some queso, queso. Anybody hungry right now? Anybody hungry? I don't know why every message comes back to Mexican food. I just don't. Pray for me. Would you pray for me this year? Would you pray that I'd be delivered in 2019 from this addiction of queso? Now, why would anybody want to pray that? That's a good addiction, right? That's a silly way to say when you see holy one time, it's, it's important. It's different. God, you're different. When you see holy, holy, God, you're more than just a little bit different. You're set apart. But to see these angels say it three times in a row, this is the maximum way of saying, God, you're not like us. You're not a bigger version of me. You're not a taller version of me. You're not just a big man upstairs. You're not some absentee kind of God. You're God and you're holy. And so for Isaiah, for him to get to the end of this and pray, here I am, send me, it starts with being in the presence of God. And so my question is, have you experienced God that way? Not have you just been to church, not just have you sing the songs, not just have you followed along, but have you had an awareness of God's presence? Have you had an awareness that God's not my equal, that God's not just somebody among other gods, that he's God and he deserves my, my mind's attention and my heart's affection, he's God. Has a moment happen like that for you? See, sometimes people ask, well, how long should we stay in worship? How long should a sermon be? How many songs should we sing? What style should it be? What's the mixture? And the answer is however long it takes to get into the presence of God. There's been some Sundays that I've rolled in here. I've been so tired and, and had sort of the, the food coma, coma from the day before and all the day's activities and all this stuff. And I found myself sitting over here with my coffee in my hand, with my hand in my pocket, just like sort of going along. And it's like, Bobby, snap out of it. One of the dangers in a room like this is for us to look at these rows of chairs facing a stage and it's easy for us to think based on that, that we're the audience, that, that we're here to be entertained or we're here, to, uh, we're here for somebody to make us feel good or we're here to have our needs met and we forget that when it comes to worship that it's not about us, that we're not the audience. In fact, there's one audience and the audience is God himself. And so when we come into a place like this, the way that this prayer starts is by seeing God God for who he is. Seem lifted up. Have you had moments like that? I have in my notes this line that says, perhaps the reason we remain unmoved is because God remains unseen. Maybe the reason why we haven't been moved lately, maybe the reason why we find it very hard to pray this prayer is because we haven't seen God for who he is recently. We haven't seen him lifted up. And I remember several years ago, I don't, uh, it was like five, six, seven years ago, uh, in this very room, I'd been wrestling with stuff. On the outside, everything's together. On the inside, there's some questions I was wrestling through and some prayers that I was praying. And just on a normal Sunday, in a normal worship service, on a normal day, I was sort of in that back corner and I saw God. 
It wasn't creepy. It wasn't some out-of-body experience, but it was one of these moments where I felt like God was speaking directly in my soul, confirming some things. Has that happened for you? This is how Isaiah gets to this point to say, here I am, sends me. It starts by entering his presence, but here's a second piece that happens for Isaiah as he's journeying through this. Not only does he enter the presence of God, but then he begins to examine his personal sin. He begins to examine his personal sin. In other words, he sees God for who he is. The God, you're holy, holy, holy. You're the only one worthy of my mind's attention, my heart's affection. God, you're the guy, you're king, you're different. And then in that moment, it's like this mirror shoots back at his soul. And he gets really honest with where he's at spiritually. He drops his guard, he drops the mask, he drops the facade, he drops, as we talked about a few weeks ago, the fig leaf, and he's totally honest before God. And listen to what he says in verse five. After he sees God, he says, it's all over. He says, I'm doomed. I am a sinful man and I have filthy lips and I live among a people of filthy lips, yet I have seen the King, I've seen the Lord of heaven's host. What is he doing? He's seeing his sin for what it is. See, the temptation is to assume we're better than we actually are. The temptation is to think, man, I'm a pretty good person. I've got it together. I'm, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not like so-and-so. I mean, at least, I, uh, at least I'm not like Bobby where I just binge on queso every Sunday afternoon. At least I'm not, right? In our minds, we, we, we know we're not perfect, and yet we try to judge ourselves based on some curve, on some graded scale. We're like, well, I'm not perfect, I'm no Moses, but at least I'm not like Corey, at least I'm not like so-and-so, right? But the, what ends up happening if we're not careful is we become deceiving. And the number one person we deceive the most is we actually deceive ourselves. When we explain away the secret sins in our life or we explain away the struggles in our life and we assume, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not doing what that other person's doing, but I'm telling you, when you enter God's presence, you can't help but to get honest about the sin that's in your life, so much so that when Isaiah sees God, he sees himself and he's like, woe is me, it's all over, I'm doomed. Now, I don't know what his sin was. It's something with his lips. I don't know if it was his speech. I don't know if he cut people down. I don't know if he had a filthy mouth. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is in that moment, he's like, I'm undone. And I don't know if you've had a moment like that. I don't know if you've had this a wake up call that reminds you that outside of a relationship with Jesus, all of us, are doomed like that. Outside of a relationship with Jesus and his life-changing power in our life, we all have hideous stuff in our life. And so Isaiah doesn't run from it. He doesn't hide from it. He's like, here it is. I can't help but to see it. Have you ever seen that in your life? Have you ever come face to face with the tough areas of your life? I saw in the first hour that we live in a generation of selfies, right? And we live in a generation of filtered selfies. You know what I'm talking about? On Instagram or whatever app you use, you can take a picture, then you can, you can take as many pictures as you want to. You can take like 50 or 60 until you get just the right pose. I, I saw that happen over the Christmas season. There's people taking pictures down here after our Christmas Eve service, and they're taking a bunch until they got just the right one. And what I found is that when people take a group picture and then you show it to them to say, is this good enough? the only person they look at is who? Themselves. 
<laughs> as long as my eyes are open, as long as I'm smiling, as long as it looks good, then I'm happy. I don't care what anybody else looks like <laughs> as long as I look good in the picture, right? And then we got the, the filters we can put on us, face smoothing, all of this stuff. But I remember back when you hated to take pictures. Now everybody takes pictures. I remember when I was in middle school, the only time I took a picture was the one time a year that they did the school yearbook you remember this and this was before digital was a thing and so it was manual film kind of stuff and you didn't know what your picture looked like until the yearbook came out months later and by the time you saw it it's too late to do anything about it do you remember these days i mean i meant i meant to put it in the slides today and i totally just forgot to do it but there's a picture of me from middle school i thought i looked sharp i had the tie on i had a sports coat which i guess is why i'm wearing it today i saw the picture either that or i'm hiding the queso problems but um I, I, I thought in the picture I looked pretty good. The yearbook came out a few months later. I was like, holy cow, why didn't anybody tell me how goofy I was? I mean, I had giant hair. I had bangs that came down to my chin, sort of the skater deal. I'd walk down the hall, do this, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up kind of deal. And uh, I, I didn't have acne in middle school. My acne had acne so much so, I know that's a little gross, but so much so that I woke up one day, I was like, God, did you give me leprosy? Is that still, still a thing? I remember a year or two later, they added the option of getting your photo retouched. So I like starred that, circled that. Hey, here's my money, let me pay for that. And then you'd get the yearbook back and suddenly all my blemishes are gone. I was like, they hired a real artist to fix that picture. <laughs> but I saw that picture and, and that impacted the way I saw myself. I, I, I was like, holy cow, why did he, well, in a similar way that happens with our sin. There's these moments that when you enter into God's presence, you see how holy he is. There, there's this unveiling of all this stuff. Maybe on the outside, you've got it together, but on the inside, there's this hidden sin. Maybe on the outside, you, you, you look like you're a great leader, a great husband, a great, uh, but on the inside, that's what God cares about because at the end of the day, what's gonna matter in a hundred years, it's not gonna matter how did you look on the outside. In a hundred years, it's not gonna matter what kind of job you had. In a hundred years, it's not gonna matter how big your house was. In a hundred years, it's gonna matter what did you do with your heart? Did you try to fix all that yourself or did you trust Jesus with it? And so for Isaiah to get to this prayer, here I am, send me, it starts with him entering into the presence of God. God, I want to see you for who you are. It leads him to examine the personal sin in his life. God, is there anything in my life that is not pleasing to you? God, is there anything in my life that's breaking your heart? And then Isaiah begins to embrace the incredible grace of God. He begins to embrace the incredible grace that God extends to every single one of us. So as he's in the presence of God and he sees his sin, here's what it says as he's standing there in verse six, after he says, woe is me. In verse six, after he said, hey, uh, uh, man, I've blown it. I'm, I'm undone, I'm ruined. I'm so, so sinful. There's no way God could ever use me. There's no way I could ever stand in his presence. Here's what it says in verse six. Then one of those angels, one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. So he sees this heavenly scene of God on the throne, this temple kind of scene where there's this this altar with fire and these red hot coals this angel picks up one of these coals and brings it to Isaiah Isaiah has just said man the part of me that's unclean is my lips again we don't know what that means we don't know if he's cussing we don't know if he's staring people down we don't know if he's a gossip we don't know any of that stuff but what we do know is the angel brings the coal to where his sin is 
not to burn him, but to build him up, not to kill him, but to cleanse him. Here's what it says in verse six. He took it with a pair of tongs, verse seven. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. What it doesn't say is God says, all right, Isaiah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back home and I want you to try to fix it yourself. He doesn't say, go back home and try to be the best version of yourself. He doesn't say, go home and try to figure out how to undo everything that you've done. Instead, God basically says, you bring your sin to the altar and I'm the one that'll cleanse you. This is a picture of what's gonna happen in the New Testament when Jesus becomes a baby, but doesn't stay a baby. When Jesus grows up and lives a perfect sinless life, when Jesus goes to the cross and he dies on the cross for sins, he doesn't die for his sins, he dies for my sins, your sins, and the sins of the world. And then he beats death, making it possible for your sins to be forgiven. That's the incredible grace of God. That if you've never experienced that, if you've never wrestled with that, you're like, what do you mean? What do you mean that just a touch of the coal made him clean? You don't know what I'm dealing with. I'm telling you, just the touch of Jesus can make you clean. You're like, well, what, what about my cheating ways? Just the touch of Jesus can change your whole life. Well, what about my filthy mouth? Well, just the touch of Jesus could change your whole life. What about my adulterous heart? Just the touch of Jesus could change your life. What, what about all the, the hate and the the anger and all of the drama in my life, just the touch of Jesus can change your life forever. Isaiah's in the presence of God and sees God different than him. He sees himself, and when Isaiah comes to worship, God goes to work. And it's in that moment when God says, who's gonna go for us? Who's gonna speak for us? Who's gonna be our messenger? Isaiah doesn't respond by saying, well, I guess I have to. Isaiah doesn't look around and say, well, I guess I'm the last man standing. Isaiah says, I get to say yes. Why? Because I've seen God, I've seen my sin, I've seen what only God can do, the incredible grace of God. And now I'm ready to say, here am I, send me. This is not a one-time prayer. It's not enough to say, well, I prayed that when I was in sixth grade, or I prayed that a couple years ago, or even I prayed that at the beginning of the year. This is a daily prayer. People are like, well, how do I stay in this posture? Saying, here I am, send me. How, how do I stay in the posture? Here's, here's what I've learned over time. Whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. That at the moment of salvation, God's spirit comes to live inside of you, but that, that kicks off this battle between the spirit of God and our flesh, our, our desire for sin, our desire for our own way. There's this battle going on every single day inside of us. And the question is, well, which one's gonna win? The one that you feed. If you feed your faith this year, you say, man, I'm gonna be in, the, in God's word. I'm gonna dedicate myself to this journey through John starting next week. I'm gonna spend time in prayer, spend time in prayer and meditation. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. And there's something about every single day saying, God, here I am. Send me. As that comes out, I'm going to close with just a, just a brief story about my buddy Matt. 
I swapped a few messages with Matt on the, on the ride to church this morning. Some of you have met Matt Elmore and his wife, Kelly. Um, Matt's story is a lot like this. I, I, he and I served together through his college years. I'm a little bit older than him. He was still in college and he served as a, an, an intern at a ministry I've done a lot of youth camps with over the years and then eventually he came on staff with us. But when Matt was getting ready to graduate from college, he felt the tension of what's next? He's an incredibly sharp guy, incredibly gifted guy, wonderful personality. He could have done anything, could have made a ton of money. But he was wrestling with, is there more, is there more, is there more? And so one of our mutual friends, who's basically a mentor to us, a guy named Roger, knew that Matt was sort of wrestling with this and essentially one day asked Matt, hey Matt, what's next for you? Matt was like, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. And so Roger looked at him and said, well, I, I, could see, I could see that God might be calling you into ministry. And Matt was like, no, <laughs> there's no way. I mean, God hasn't called me to do ministry. And so Roger basically asked him, well, what has God called you to do? And Matt's like, I don't know. I don't know. So he hasn't called you to ministry, but you don't know what he's called you to. And so Roger looks at him and Roger has, you've got friends that, have, that sort of pierce your soul when they look at you, right? He's one of those guys that once he locks eyes with you, man, he's reading whatever's going on in you. He looks at Matt and says, well, do you want to know what God has for you? And Matt's like, well, of course. <laughs> Maybe Roger's been walking with God a long, long time. Maybe he's got some special word. <laughs> Maybe God's revealed in his quiet time. Here's what Matt's supposed to, you know, of course. Yeah, tell me. And Roger's response was, well, just say yes first. What do you mean by that? Before you know the details, before you have this game plan figured out, start by saying yes. And then he asked Matt, are you ready to do that? And Matt honestly, and I love this, honestly said, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not there. But over time, he spent a lot of time in God's word. He spent a lot of time in prayer. He spent a lot of time around godly people. And Matt told me this morning, he said, I got to the point where I realized I would be a fool to not say yes to God first. Everything good that I have in my life comes from him. So why would I even hesitate to say yes? And what ended up happening for Matt is he eventually got married. He and his wife signed up to go to Kenya for a year. They ended up re-upping that to three years. And now they're going on year 11 of serving on the field. And this morning, Matt says to me, I have never regretted saying yes. He said, my prayer time, man, immediately became so much richer. Every day got to be more excited. I'm like, God, what are you gonna do today? He said, I've never, ever, ever regretted saying yes. So I don't know what that means for you, but can you imagine the power of going into 2019 saying, God, you've got my yes first. And some people are like, well, well, I'm scared to. What if that means that I become a missionary? That could happen. 
It really could. It, it could happen. You, be, you could be the next Bailey's. That could happen. But what's more likely going to happen is God's going to say, I, I want you to be a missionary here. What's more likely going to happen is may, maybe there's somebody in this room, God's like, I want you to be a missionary to the two-year-olds downstairs, which feels like a mission field because they don't use the bathroom and toilets either. So, I mean, that's... Or it, it might be that God says, I want you to be a missionary to your neighborhood. I want you to intentionally get to know your neighbor so that you can show them the love of Christ. It could be that God wants you to use your voice at work to speak up for those that don't have a voice for themselves. It could be that God places some need in front of you and you're like, man, I, I, I can't go, but I can give to that. I don't know what that is, but I'm telling you, I have never met anybody that regretted saying yes. I've never met anybody that said, you know what? My life got worse once I said yes to God. My life was less fulfilling. I've never heard anybody say, you know what? When I was living in rebellion, my life was better. But what I have heard is I wish I'd said yes sooner. Does it make it easy? No. Does it mean there's no challenges? No. But what it does mean is that you get to see your heavenly father use you in ways you could never imagine. In just a moment, we're gonna end out 2018, but I want us to end really well. I opened by saying specific prayers get specific results. We said back in January that when we pray God-sized prayer, we get God-sized results. I want us to end by praying very specifically. I know there's nothing magical about a step across the front, but there's something about our posture that when we kneel and pray and we say as best as we can with what we have, God, would you use me here in 2019? And so in a moment, we're gonna stand and pray. Zach's gonna lead us. But I just wanna invite anybody that wants to, whether it's an individual that wants to come and pray here at the altar as we do this, whether it's couples that wanna come and say, man, we wanna pray together as we get ready for 2019. If it's families that wanna do that together, if it's youth group that wants to do it, I, I don't know who that is, but this altar is open and it just takes one person. It just takes a couple. It just takes some people to begin to move and begin to pray for others to do the same. So let's stand together as we begin to pray and this altar is open. If you'd like to do that, I wanna invite you to just to begin to make your way down and begin to just bow your knee, begin to pray. It's this posture of saying, God, as best as I can, I don't wanna be somebody that runs. I don't wanna be somebody that renegotiates. I don't wanna be somebody that points the finger and say somebody else. I wanna be a person that as best as I can, and maybe you just be honest like Matt was on that first encounter. I'm not there yet, but I wanna be. Would you allow this to be the end of 2018? and the beginning of a bright 2019, as best we say, here I am, God, send me. Heavenly Father, you see our hearts today. You see what's going on in this place. As best as we can, we surrender. This day, we surrender this year. We surrender 2019 as best as we can, Lord. If you're praying, I just wanna invite you to continue praying at your seat, praying here at the altar. And as Zach sings, would you allow this to be your prayer today? If you need personal prayer, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe there's never been a moment that your sins have been forgiven. Pastor Tripp's hanging out to my left, your right. And over these next few moments together, would you just come to him and say, man, I just need prayer. I wanna settle this today. As we pray, as Zach leads us, would you sing, would you pray? and I'll give you some instructions in a moment before we go. Here I am, God, I am willing, Lord, send me. Here I am, 
continue singing, I want us to tag back to what we sang right before the message. That reminder, you came down and you rescued me. You left heaven and came to this earth. What a powerful prayer reminder today. Let's sing this out. Let's pray this out as we continue worshiping. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high of valley low, I sing out and remind my soul. I am yours. I am forever yours. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me to wrap the last Sunday of 2018 as a church family. So we get ready for a fresh start in 2019, I wanna invite you to pray with me. I'm gonna pray out loud, but anytime any of us pray, it's an invitation for you to pray as well. And so instead of sending out the way that we normally do, I wanna invite you to pray a specific part of this prayer that I've been trying to pray as many days as I can. It's my way of trying to wrap my head into my heart around this idea of send me, because there's days that I feel it, there are days that I don't. But to be able to refocus and say as best as I can, I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. And so I wanna invite you, would you bow your heads just for a moment? And as I pray out loud, I'd invite you to pray silently in your head and your heart. You could pray the same words I pray, you could personalize it but this is a prayer of surrender. This is a prayer of availability. It's specific, it's courageous. It gets us out of our comfort zone, but it's so, so powerful. Dear Jesus, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you that you're different than us. And today, God, I give you my mind. Help me to think upon your things today. Help me to fill my head with your truth. God, I give you my ears. Help me to hear your voice today, what it is you want me to do. God, I give to you my hands. Would you use my hands today to help build your kingdom and to serve other people today? God, I give you my mouth. Would you help me to speak only things that are true? Would you help me to use 
my words to build up and not to tear down. God, I give you my feet that wherever I go today, I would carry your peace with me. And God, today, as best as I can, I give you my heart. Help my heart to break for the things that break your heart. And help my heart to say yes to whatever it is you have for me. So that like Isaiah, I could pray, here I am, Lord. And if this is your prayer, pray it with me. Send me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful last day of the year. Come expecting next Sunday morning of what only God can do. The Baileys are out in the lobby. They'd love to meet you. We'd love for you to be part of the mail. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your Sunday.